Hello, all you lovely dramatized humans. How dramatized are you on a scale of one to 10? I think I'm about a seven. Uh, I don't know, it seems kind of high. I've had like a pretty nice life. Uh, maybe like a six, slightly above average, but you know, not too much. Today we're gonna talk about good and evil. Uh, I feel like maybe the Lion King would be a good point of reference for this because like what, Jafar or whatever, very evil. Um, and I guess Simba is like the good guy. I don't know. And maybe his little posse of like the groundhog and the, the little the little dog thing. What is that? What's the little dog thing? I don't know. But I was listening to some Jordan Peterson podcasts on a recent flight that was delayed many hours. So I had a lot of hours to listen to his podcast and I was doing other stuff as well. But he manages to sort of seem sure of himself while also contemplative, like he has a sense of certainty mixed with a sense of possibly changing his mind. And I think that that's a really appealing temperament, whether or not you agree with him. Like, obviously, I don't agree with everything he's ever said always. But <clears throat> I do enjoy listening to him because it does – he does convey the sense that he might change his mind or that he's, like, willing to learn from people he's talking with as well. So I think a lot of podcasts are really bad because people just talk – without having much to say or without being very interesting or without teaching the audience anything. And anyone can speak um, into the abyss. <laughs> so it's like any, everyone can do it. So everyone's doing it. But anyway, Peterson said in a debate with Slavov Zizek, I don't know, I don't know who this guy really was, but he said that the light that you discover in your life is proportionate to the amount of darkness you are willing to forthrightly confront. As if light and darkness were on opposite sides of a double pan scale. Maybe they are. Every horrible thing done by human beings was done by human beings, Peterson continues. So it stands to reason that human beings are capable of horrible things, and you're one of them. He was saying that to his audience, obviously, but you are a human being capable of horrible things, and so am I, and so is he. We all have the capacity for evil only because uh, we all have the capacity for good as well. It might be impossible to know one without the other, just as it is impossible to understand darkness without the day or joy without sorrow or sour without sweet. Peterson's debate with Isaac reminded me of a field trip my third, gra <clears throat> third grade class took to a cave. That's what you do in Wisconsin. You go to a cave. And afterwards, we went to like a cheese factory. So first stop, cave. Second stop, cheese. A guide, our teachers, and a couple of chaperones shepherded 60 kids through the damp, dark cave, calmly explaining stalactites and stalagmites and warning us not to touch anything and ordering us to shut up and listen. When we got as far into the cave as 60 third graders could go, the guide told us that she was going to show us what real darkness looked like. Not the darkness that happens in our homes when all the lights are off, but streetlights kind of glow or the TV murmurs or the moon casts shadows over walls and through doorways. Uh, no, she said, the, the darkness in a cave is so deep that we wouldn't be able to see our own hands in front of our faces. She turned the lights off and a hush fell over us. We couldn't see our hands. We couldn't see anything. And I kind of felt like maybe that's what it's like to be blind, to be truly in the dark. When we emerged from the cave, I felt like a mole exiting the earth. It was weird to transition from extreme darkness to the bright nakedness of a sunny spring day. In the darkness, we were each so alone. And in the light, we could see each other's flaws and read each other's faces. The darkness allows us to hide while the light forces us to be seen. Or the darkness keeps us hidden while the light reveals us. Either way, we can't know one until we know the other. Peterson's conjecture that all humans are capable of monstrosities also reminded me of a research study I once read about Nazi Germany, how the failure of the German government was used to persuade people to join the Nazi party and to eventually do terrible things. 
It's easy to think that you wouldn't have joined the Nazi party, but plenty of well-meaning people were persuaded, and many more didn't need much persuading at all. Historian Peter Fritchie writes, scholars analyze political, social, and economic variables, but they also listen to how the Nazis made sense of themselves. In this way, there's no final resolution. What we can learn is the following. We need to be careful how we interpret human behavior. If it is extreme, is it because people are seduced or brainwashed? Or is it more complicated? Are people naturally decent, except in difficult situations? We wonder why we were not more astonished in the 1930s as the Nazis came to power. Why is it that evil is more evil in hindsight? Maybe you or I would have been Nazis too. Maybe you or I would have owned slaves. Maybe you or I would have been one of the 38 people who listened or watched as Kitty Genovese was robbed, raped, and stabbed to death outside of her apartment building, uh, outside of her apartment building in Queens in 1964. We all want to think we would do the right thing, right? By whatever modern day standards we judge or pass by. We all want to think we would revolt against slave owners or confront the man who murdered Kitty or run into a burning building to save someone we don't even know. But the truth is more complicated. It's easy to take the moral high ground from the outside looking in. Peterson's point in saying that all human beings are capable of monstrosities is not to condone the evils done by humans, but rather to articulate that if we're to have any sort of ideal to strive toward, we need to know what we're striving against. To have any moral high ground to stand upon necessitates the existence of a moral underground, so to speak. The brilliance of history does not come from judging our shared human past, but by learning that we can do better. We wonder why we were not more astonished in the 1930s when the Nazis came to power. We wonder why nobody helped Kitty Genovese. We wonder how anyone anywhere could have owned another person and treated them as a slave. But maybe we should be glad that at the very least learning to be more sophisticated Um, that at the very least we're learning to be more sophisticated in our definitions of good and evil. Most of all, we can realize that we might be considered evil by our human predecessors someday too. The realization of evil is a precondition for the realization of good and the definitions of both are sure to keep shifting. I thought I might end this with some sort of optimistic statement about how the more enlightened humans become, the less evil can exist, but I'm not sure that's true. For starters, I'm not sure we are becoming more enlightened, and more importantly, I'm not so sure that darkness or evil can ever be diminished entirely. If good and evil are on opposite sides of a double pan scale, it might simply be easier to ensure that you are not tipping the scales any further towards the darkness. So I also linked Jordan Peterson's podcast. I really like it. Some of them are, you know, more boring than others. Pick and choose. And don't come at me. Um, Also, a recent LA Times article, recent within the last few years or whatever, about Kitty Genovese and sort of the myth that surrounds her. Um, Obviously, I wrote this before I read that article, but apparently her neighbor did try to help and the narrative was that nobody was helping and this article in the LA Times, whatever, rewrites the narrative, blah, blah, blah. Or um, I linked a list of books about the Holocaust ranked by someone who knows more about that than I do. So um, listen to them and not me, I suppose. All right, everybody. Have a beautiful day. I love you. Bye.